Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Audio Vault on 941 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It's R&R here on San Antonio Sports Star. We're the home of RJ Ochoa as well, the managing editor of Blogging the Boys. And uh, I'm Rob Thompson. Uh, we're, we're talking Cowboys and the, the destination where the Cowboys have found themselves. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to slow down much. Is, uh, whether they're going to be able to rid themselves of McCarthy or try to do so or of, of Dak Prescott is just a couple of the questions the Cowboys face. And we're eagerly awaiting a response from Jerry and Steven and the like. So let's talk with a guy on the inside of the building. Uh, Nick Harris of DallasCowboys.com. I'm sure you read a bunch of his stuff. It, it, always on the know. Uh, welcome to the show, man. We're glad you're here. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting week uh, here in Frisco. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, just awaiting kind of what Jerry Jones is going to be able to do this week. And um, it, it sounds like he's going to be meeting with Mike McCarthy later in the week to kind of discuss the future. And we'll kind of see from there, guys. Nick, I know um, you're just consumed with Ross Bjork heading to Ohio State, and that's obviously the biggest thing going on in your life. Um, you know, with somebody that has a high level of affinity for the college football landscape. Um, by the way, on, Nick does so much. I don't know when he sleeps for DallasCowboys.com. Now part of the draft show. Uh, it is draft yeah, season for the Dallas cool. Cowboys. Um, Nick, it does feel like like a, a new low, or at least it feels like people feel that way. Like you have a great sense and, and pulse on, on Cowboys fans. I mean, it, it, it feels like there's a mob forming in a, in a different way than usual. Is Do you agree with my sense on that? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think whenever you look at the Cowboys fan base, again, just kind of take the pulse, take the temperature of what most of the people are feeling. It's the fact that, okay, in, in four years' time since Mike McCarthy has been here, the Cowboys have gone from, man, I'm tired of this 8-8 eight and eight stuff to, now, man, I'm tired of this 12 and 5 stuff, which you can kind of look at it and see it as improvement. But the postseason or the lack of postseason success is still the same. And I think that's probably where most of the frustration is boiling. And you would arguably say that it's more frustrating now than it was four years ago because you have the pieces in place. You have the team around uh, uh, Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, the big faces, the cornerstones of this franchise to be able to make some things happen because you can see those things happen in the regular season. I mean, they, they had multiple wins of over 20 points this season, uh, top five all-time in NFL history in that category. Uh, they dominated opponents at home. And then they go in the wild card round of the playoffs against the youngest team in the NFL and fall flat on their face. You know, I understand the frustration for fans, and there should be frustration. I mean, that's, that's, that was a team that they were supposed to beat, and they were supposed to beat handily. I think whenever you ask the fan base, you know, kind of how they're feeling. It's tough to sell to them the same exact product that you put on the field this year whenever they're going to training camp in Oxnard in July. I, I think there's going to have to be some sort of change to be able to get the fans to buy, excuse me, to be able to get the fans to buy in, but we'll kind of see from there. Well, okay. If it's not McCarthy, then what's the change? 
And that's, that's also a really good point. I mean, you can't do anything with Dak Prescott. You know, his, his 59, uh, almost $60 million cap hit this upcoming uh, season, you either take that on or you rework his contract to be able to extend that out and restructure it a little bit. It's going to be uh, interesting. I mean, you also have Dan Quinn, um, who's been interviewing with just about everybody in the NFL that has a, a coaching uh, vacancy this week, uh, Washington, Carolina, Seattle, just a couple of those teams on, uh, on, the, on the market for him. Um, so you, you could possibly be looking at a, a change on the defensive side of the ball as far as leadership goes. Uh, there's 14 free agents that are upcoming this offseason, key pieces on, uh, on that on the defense as well. you got J. Ron Curse, Jordan Lewis, uh, Stephon Gilmore. There's going to have to be some decisions made on that side of the ball. And you look on offense, you also got Tyler Biotich, Tony Pollard, Rico Dowell, some of the bigger offensive names that are due for free agency as well. I think there's a little bit of changes that you can make. Maybe in that department, you know, you kind of look at some guys that are uh, upcoming free agents like Derrick Henry. You know, he's been linked to Dallas in the past, has a house in Dallas. Um, I, I know that's a, a name that uh, Cowboys Nation would love to be able to bring in and just kind of have that big, forceful running back. But also, there's some intriguing names in the draft as well. I think there's some guys that they can get in the early rounds that can contribute as early as next year and hopefully have a little bit more success than this rookie draft class has. Nick, you, you used the word hope and, and kind of selling it to fans. For what it's worth, I mean, I know you know you and I park our cars in the same garage in terms of believing in Dak Prescott. This wouldn't exactly be selling hope, but I I would be almost fascinated if they did go at you know the year without extending Dak Prescott. If they tried to take on the sixty million dollars, because while that wouldn't be selling hope, that would be I guess selling accountability. I mean, how how practical do you think it is that they set McCarthy and Dak up for like a, a true prove it 2024 season? Because that is kind of what everybody wants. The pe- people want some sort of atonement or responsibility. Yeah, I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility. I, you know, all week, even after the game, I just, I, for me personally, this is just my personal take. I don't feel like they do anything with McCarthy. So I, I think this next season, if, if that ends up holding true, then this next season is going to be that prove it year, that show me year, that accountability year. Like you said, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, the only issue that I think the team would have whenever you look at, you know, not restructuring Dak's deal and giving him that 2024 prove it year you kind of leave yourself open to a couple of possibilities. One, this is the certainty, is the fact that you're, it's going to be tougher to build a team around him. You're not going to have as much money to be able to divvy around. Um, and those, right. There are some guys that are definitely going to have to work towards in the future as far as extension, C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons, uh, Tony Pollard, if they want to bring him back. And it only makes it a little bit more difficult when you don't know what Dak's number is going to look like going forward. And then the second part of that is, you know, let's say game three, game four, kind of similar to what happened in 2020, Dak Prescott gets hurt, and then you're left with a, a, a contract at the end of the season that's expiring, and you have no more answers than you do today. So I, I think those are the couple of things that they're probably going to have to juggle whenever they do think about uh, Dak's deal and what to do with that. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I think there should be some accountability and some sort of, hey, go prove it and go show it to me that you can win in the playoffs. I think that's very much needed for this fan base in 2024. Dan Quinn's obviously interviewing other places. Um, if he doesn't get a job, will he get fired? And if he does, and if he does get a job, or either way, uh, any talk on who the odds-on D.C. candidates will be? Yeah, no, no candidates that, that jump off, uh, jump off the, the page right now. I, Joe Witt is on staff. That's a guy that they, they've loved in the past. But I, I feel like they would go out and get – a former head coach. Um, it just kind of feels like Mike McCarthy's, you know, uh, strategy is formula. 
um, you know, as a head coach has been being able to bring in those guys that had that type of experience, even Super Bowl type experience as well, whether that be as an assistant or a head coach. You know, there's a couple of intriguing names out there. Um, But as far as Dan Quinn specifically, you know, if he doesn't end up getting a job, I, I, that, that would be another interesting one. I, I don't think his job would be as safe as Mike McCarthy's because, again, you have to make some sort of change somewhere. But on, honestly, I feel like Dan Quinn ends up somewhere. Seattle seems like the odds-on favorite by a landslide. Um, you know, uh, The Chargers are also a really intriguing opportunity for him. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not at one of those two places next season. Nick, now that we have the benefit of hindsight, I guess, when you look back, like, what was the point of – you know, but the, the point we should have seen a little bit more clearly, the, the point that we allowed maybe, you know, Philadelphia's collapse to kind of cloud our judgment on, but, but the point that, you know, maybe this was coming, again, this was really unpredictable, like the specific nature of it all, but but what was the, the potential inflection point, again, with the benefit of hindsight? I, I, think, I think whenever I look back at the Buffalo game, I kind of see similar things that happened in that game that caught up with them in that wild card round against the Packers. You know, Buffalo had that super physical offensive line and they were just able to run it down their throats pretty much the entire game at will with James Cook. And then while Aaron Jones didn't have as much success as James Cook had in that game, the offensive line for the Packers, I feel like had this very much similar success. You know, when I was going into the Packers game, I I, I didn't take the, uh, the Packers offensive line as, as seriously as I should looking back just because they were so physical. They were getting into the second level. And, you know, with the defense that Dan Quinn and, and Will McClay and those guys have built there in Dallas, yes, they're super athletic. They can get to the ball. They can fly around. But the one thing that that sacrifices to is size and, and physicality. And they never had that in the second level throughout the season, especially whenever Leighton Vander Esch went down, not having DeMarvion Overshone during the season. Mm-hmm. You spin down Marquise Bell to play in that second level, and you're, you're basically saying, okay, hey, we know you're a DB, but you're going to play linebacker for us for the rest of the season. And I think that sacrificed so much physicality in that second level. And, you know, they were just able to pave running lanes with, with ease. And I think that's probably the biggest thing I would point back to. But offensively, man, the, the offense in that first half looked like what it did before the bye week. And that, I can't say that that's something that I had seen uh, since then. And it's, it's tough, you know. Um, you, you wonder where the pressure kind of fell onto you know, not being able to get the ball to C.D. Lamb until the two-minute warning of the first half, I think that was a huge determining factor and, and kind of not not seeing offensive success. And uh, it ended up putting them in an early hole that they couldn't climb out of. He is Nick Harris of DallasCowboys.com. I don't know what's going to come out from actually what went on in-game, but have you heard anything about what was going on in CD's brain or what was going on with he and Dak? Were they on the wrong page? Were they Was C.D. schemed out? Was... It just didn't seem like those two were working very well together for most of the game. Yeah, and you saw a little bit of frustration on the TV mm-hmm. copy of, you know, kind of in the first half. But, you know, those two guys, they're super close. Yeah, I think they have a relationship where they can have those tough conversations with each other and be able to build from it and see, see the positive on it. You know, when you ask anybody in the locker room, nobody will tell you that CeeDee Lamb is a diva. You know, it's it's he's got that – mentality where he's going to work with his teammates yes he's going to challenge them he's going to get in their face he's going to be fiery about it he's also going to be you know kind of critical about himself as well and kind of show that you know he he feels very deserving of the ball at times as well as far as what happened there in the first half I think there was just so much going on from 
um, the Packers zone scheme and being able to throw uh, so many guys in the middle of the field. They just crowded the middle of the field. And whenever you look at this Texas Coast offense that Mike McCarthy brought to the table this past season, that's where CeeDee Lamb had most of his work. That's where Brandon Cooks had most of his work. And whenever they crowded that middle of the field, it made things very difficult for Dak Prescott. I, I think the conversations that were probably happening were like CD uh, being able to find some sort of solution to that and then them not being able to really find that until the second half before it was too late. So, uh, you know, I think C.D. Lamb is probably one of the guys that you build around on this offense for sure uh, going forward. You know, he's going to reset the wide receiver market this offseason. I think that's a certainty. But as far as, you know, his relationship with Dak, I think it's uh, it, may, it may look contentious from the outside, but those two guys, they really do get along and they challenge each other as the games go on. Nick, you guys are getting ready to start the draft show today. Um, the most must-listen, you know, show that any Dallas Cowboys, you know, property does in the off-season, uh, accessible all across the universe, basically. Um, Cowboys have the 24th overall pick. You have a, a great pulse on the college football landscape. Um, initial needs, initial players to kind of know and monitor. Again, I know you guys will break it down in the months to come, but uh, your overall thoughts as the dust finally begins to settle on the season. Yeah, absolutely. The number 24 pick, it's, it's been uh, kind to the Cowboys in the past. They've had it three times before, and they drafted Des Bryant, Tyler Smith, and Calvin Hill. Um, so, you know, there's a, quite a bit of success there, especially in the past decade. Uh, but looking forward as to what they could do here in the first round, I think there's a couple of interesting opportunities. Um, you know, Edron Cooper, linebacker from Texas A&M, if they want to go in the linebacker route, I think that's a guy they could look at. If they want to go ahead, go ahead and grab a safety and let a guy like J. Ron Curse walk, Cameron Kitchens from Miami is a guy you would possibly look at. But for me, if I'm making that 24th overall pick, I'm going out and I'm getting offensive line help. And for me, I kind of see tackle Amarius Mims from Georgia uh, possibly being available there at 24. You also have Graham Barton out of Duke, who's a tackle that could be av- available there at 24. And then looking into the second round, a center that I have really enjoyed uh, being able to look at here in the last week or so is uh, Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. Uh, this is a guy who's played four of the five offensive line positions during his time at Oregon, uh, was the Remington Award winner this past season for the uh, nation's best center. And even uh, back in 2021 in the Alamo Bowl down there in San Antonio with you guys, he played defensive tackle against Oregon or excuse me against Oklahoma uh, because uh, a lot of their guys had portaled out and he ended up having three tackles had a huge game Uh, they even talked about moving him there permanently but he was like nah go ahead and put me at center and it's actually really worked out for him I think that's a guy that could be a fun second round option offensive line defensive line heavy in the draft Um, no tight ends I mean we have a history here we need to get another one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I probably wouldn't see any uh, tight ends at, at, at 24. I mean, if they if they wanted to, Jatavian Sanders out of Texas, the Denton Ryan product, uh, he's a guy that I think will have a huge draft process and be able to jump into that late first-round mix. But um, I, I don't see them using an early pick on a tight end right now. Uh, uh, one last. You talked about the defensive scheme uh, that you know Quinn ran and all the little dudes we had running around back there. How many of these guys are locked into contracts? How many of these little safeties and, and uh, fake uh, linebackers have we still got locked in for next year? Yes, yeah, so the J. Ron Curse, that's, that's the only one that you oh. would look at in that uh, department who, who's, who's up for free agency. Um, you know, he's a big Dan Quinn guy. You would have to wonder if Dan Quinn goes somewhere, will he just follow or will he want to be back in Dallas? I think that's going to be a big question. But Malik Coker, Donovan Wilson, both of those guys were extended this past offseason. Yeah. Marquis Bell uh, got another year left on his contract, too. So, um, it looks like you're probably going to see a little bit more of those little guys. <laughs> the scheme might be a necessity depending on who they've got back there. Hey, Nick, we, we thank you for stopping by, man. Lots of good stuff. I really appreciate it, guys. Anytime.